Oh, Holy that was... fuck, that was nice. What do you want? What do you want? What do you want from me? I'm just seeing how I can trigger Dennis just before we start. How you can trigger Dennis before we start? Well, I'm going to be sauced up this episode, so I don't think you're going to be able to say anything that will trigger me. The F-35 oh, is complete trash. That's why I made this episode to, to enlighten you non-believers. <laughs> That's why you made it look like the Pope. It's like Vatican. Uh, I love Japan. They're literally having a religious ceremony for a stealth fighter. No, they're not. Yeah, they are. That was me in the picture. <sighs> yes, the Jack's Hobby Station handwriting right there proves it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> He's my scribe now. Oh, God. You sure about that? Oh, I'm already feeling the buzz. Oh, God. What are you drinking? Actually, we'll get to that. Okay, stop Stop jumping the gun. <laughs> stop jumping the gun. Stop jumping the gun, Garethan. Oh my god. I'm trying to find A39 on Sprue A. Obviously, A dice at A. Yes, we are here. Okay, yep, I'm good. I am good, and yes, this should. Welcome to the Micro Machines Podcast. Thank you for coming in and tuning in with us. This week, we will be discussing the F 35 Joint Strike Fighter. But before then, gentlemen, shall we do some introductions? As usual, I go first. So you got me, Callum, from New Zealand, and I just have a glass of water because last night was a little bit of a rough night. So, yeah, suffering. You got me, Garrison, here in Kansas. I'm drinking a per agua fruit-flavored water, strawberry, working on my M114 from TACOM. And for once, you got me, Dennis, in, up here in Ontario, drinking... An Ace Hill Pineapple Tropical Vodka Soda, because I'm not a scaredy cat like these other two fools. Hydrate or die. I, I, I Don't worry, I also have a Calamansi Citrus and Strawberry Sparkling Water as at my side for proper hydration. The drinks are important this episode, I'm going to be speaking a lot. Well, you might need to speak up a little bit, and we're all good to learn about oh my the God, I'm, lit- I'm literally deep-throating my mic. We can hear you now. <laughs> I'm speaking, I'm getting all succulent with it. Good, practice for later. Oh yeah, yeah yours? Oh yeah? VTOL mm-hmm. VR? Yeah? <laughs> VTOL VR game lobby? Hmm? You, you'll be busy. <laughs> sure, you won't be? Oh no. <laughs> uh, uh, right, so Dennis, what the fuck is an F-35? Well, Calum, I'm Bitch so glad aircraft. you Shut up, Garrison. <laughs> Begin my script real quick. All right, the F thirty five has to be one of the most controversial aircraft ever imagined, let alone produced. The mere mention of it. Shut up! I was speaking. Quiet in the back. <laughs> <laughs> Quiet in the chair seats. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Yeah, come on. Go on. You gotta refer to me as uh, Professor Dennis for I'm, this episode. I'm sorry, you're stuck with such a bitch ass aircraft. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm done. <laughs> well, on that note, the mere mention of its name is bound to elicit the hottest of takes and sourest of arguments in any hobby store. Everybody has an opinion about this aircraft, but it is my view that in many cases the F-35 is just not understood as well as it could be. So this week, I'll be giving a sort of Coles Notes history of the F-35 Lightning II. So, so it's today, a demo kid. shut up. 
can't make jokes at you. Don't even know what you're talking about. I'm sorry. I can't, I can't, I'm mute myself. <laughs> no, if he mutes himself, then the court jester goes away. We can't have that. Okay, this week, I'm going to talk about how the aircraft came to be what it is, why it is designed the way it is, and how the F-35 is performing now that many air forces around the world have begun to receive their lightnings. Before I can even begin to talk about the F-35 and all the neat aviation facts that pertain to it, and before I discuss the precursor development that would mold the lightning, I must first pose the question. Looking at the various aircraft I have displayed here, does it seem possible that one single airframe design could replace all of them while offering superior capabilities? No. <sighs> I'm not going to answer. About this one. No, I, I'm, I'm thinking hard, but it's not for the reasons that you here, think. Chew a crayon. That might help you think. No. <laughs> I mean, you can't really replace the A-10. I mean, they've been trying to, but, you know, they haven't. You never will, you know. Yeah, it's not happening, did it? The A-10 is just infinite. I, I, I love ground attack aircraft that don't have targeting pods. It, it makes so much sense. It's amazing. Why do you need to target pods when you can just saturate the entire area within, like, large radius? Each A-10 has a homing device built into it designed to find the nearest British vehicle and light it up. <laughs> or US convoy <laughs> well I'm guessing that the answer is probably going to be no so when the question is posed this way it seems ridiculous that any one aircraft could possibly replace airframes as specialized as the A-10 or EA-6 or as versatile as the F-18 and 16 but the truth is often shocking and in the course of the next few slides I'm going to briefly explain how the F-35 programs not only replaced all the aircraft shown here but also superseded them in terms of quality. Yeah, yeah the VTOL VR says otherwise. Well, no, that's just your piloting. That's that's very <laughs> true. Actually, that's our piloting. I, I couldn't even cover you. Hey, to to be fair, whenever I'm using that that little the fucking the the gun, the the one that shoots bullets and not missiles. Okay, I smoked your ass. When it comes to rockets and futuristic shit, I can't do it. Uh, Calum, guess what? What? Garrison doesn't know how to use a sidewinder. I was so confused. I'm I used just... to a P-51D, not a goddamn F-35. <laughs> <laughs> it's a difference, I promise. Well, so, to start discussing the Lightning, we need to go back to the late 1980s, when DARPA, that is the Defense Advanced Research Projects uh, Agency, for those of you who aren't American, uh, it's basically like the, the bunch of the science nerds, right? So DARPA commissioned the Common Affordable Lightweight Fighter, better known as the CAF program. The concept of this program was to develop a Stovall, or short takeoff and vertical landing, multi-role fighter plane to be used by the USMC, as well as to replace the F-16. The CAF program had, by 1993, been enlarged to include the US Navy, and would be renamed the JSF, or Joint Strike Fighter Project. The joint meaning it's basically a joint project between the three arms of the US Armed Forces. Which we all know always is a smooth operation with no arguments, infighting, or there, disagreements. Just to spoil it for you guys, there was nothing wrong with this program. Everything went off without a hitch, and a few years later, we have a beautiful, cheap aircraft. Nothing bad happened. <laughs> I say that as I take my next drink, because I'm going to need it for this. <clears throat> okay. The project led to the reduction in F-16 and F-18 development, as the goal of this program was essentially to develop a strike fighter that could be used equally by the Air Force, Marine Corps, and Navy. McDonnell Douglas, Northrop, Lockheed, and Boeing would all submit entries to the JSF competition, with each prototype being capable of Stouffville takeoffs and landings. By 1996, Lockheed and Boeing would be given contracts to further develop their proposals, 
leading to the creation of the Lockheed Martin X-35, which you can see here on the right, and the Boeing X-32 fighter, which you can see here on the left. These were Boeing built really dropped the ball. I can talk about the X-32. We, have, we should have an episode about this, honestly, because it's an amazing concept in and of itself. But it but, just looks so stupid. It does. Like, look at it. If, if yeah. you were fighting against that, I, if, if you were in that and I was in an F-35... Not only would I die because I don't know how to use it, I would die because I'd be laughing at how stupid you look. I know that that one looks like if it flew by, you wouldn't hear it. It'd just you just hear the. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, the X thirty two. I will say uh, to give Boeing the credit before I continue with the F thirty five here. It was an incredibly interesting concept of an aircraft, and even though it doesn't look good, it actually flew fairly well. It's just that. The F thirty five was better. So I'm uh, sure it flew well. It just God, that mouth it didn't land well. I, I I could get into the technicalities of it, but this thing had a tendency to cook its own engine when it was landing. You know what? That's one of the episodes for next fucking quarter. Yes. Well, while this was going on, the uh, Canada and the UK signed into the Joint Strike Fighter program to aid and fund the development of the winning entry. Ultimately, the X-35 would beat out the X-32 thanks to the performance of its Stouffville X-35B variant, which was able to take off in less than 150 meters, go supersonic, and land vertically, which the Boeing entry was unable to do. Given how important the Stouffville capabilities of the JSF fighter were, the U.S. government awarded the contract for further development to Lockheed Martin, and so ended the JSF competition. So, uh, yes, unfortunately, looks do matter. Well, it's like that. It's like the common thing of, if it looks like it should fly, it will. You know, not um, where it's if the, it looks the 30, right, it flies right. Yeah, it, the thirty-two just doesn't have that. It looks concept, whereas the F thirty-five doesn't. Like the the F thirty-five looks genuine in that prototype stage. Forget what it, I mean. The, you know, the best way I can summarize what the X thirty-two is. It's like you guys ever read any of Tom Clancy's mo- uh, novels from like the eighties and nineties. Callum, please. Yep. Yes. Yes. Yeah, I have. Okay. Yeah. So, I like them. you know how in the Tom Clancy novels, how like there's always that really super advanced futuristic fighter the U.S. has that was developed by a bunch of scientists in secret. That's kind of what the X-32 is. If you go purely based on radical ideas and science, the X-32 is a pretty neat aircraft. It's just that it wasn't developed by uh, any people who were very in tune with what makes an aircraft fly right, if that makes sense. The X-32 was very interesting from a stealth standpoint, but from a flight standpoint, it wasn't as good. Well, at any rate, to to properly summarize the F-35's development after the JSF program would be an exercise in endurance, because we're talking about the single most complex and advanced aviation project ever undertaken. So we'll have to settle for me doing a thunder run through various sources to give a heavily oversimplified picture of lightning development. So, the F-35 would begin serious development in 2001, and by 2003, the first airframe for the F-35 would be built. On December 19, 2008, Lockheed Martin would roll out the first F-35A, and by the following January, six F-35s had been finished. The Marines would be the first to receive the F-35 ready to fight, with the USMC introducing the F-35B in 2015. The Air Force and Navy would get their new aircraft in 2016 and 18, respectively. So, uh, yeah, Garrison, you can pat yourself on the back for that one. I mean, I wasn't even in yet, but okay. Yeah, just pride, man. Just be happy about it. You got the cool stuff first. 
That's actually a first, so yeah, that is actually kind of cool. They probably did that to make sure it'd actually fly right, and if it didn't, they'd be <laughs> got tested. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably why. I, just, I will just note that the, the range, F they don't care. <laughs> the F-35B was also the most uh, troublesome variant to develop, and it's also the one with the worst uh, safety records, so that figures. That proves my point even more. Actually, I will point out here on the slides in the top uh, right corner, you can see a, a picture of the F of the X-35B, which was the experimental prototype. Uh, I always like seeing It's so cool. There's just something a bit weird with, like, VTOL jets. It's just that, like, you've always known jets as going fast forward and they have to land, like, you you know, seeing one going up and down is just, it's weird. Like, it, it you, you sit there going, something's wrong. I, I Especially when you realize that the guy who's piloting it just came off a meal of crayons. Yeah. <clears throat> I, I will say, Sorry, I Garrison. don't think... No, 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 you're good, you're good. I don't think Marine Corps pilots should be thrown into the crayon mix, because they, they're pilots. They, they should be in the Air Force. Why are they join the Marine Corps? I don't know. They're just the ones the Navy didn't want. <laughs> <laughs> Probably. Well, now let's talk about the F-35 from a modeler standpoint, and this is the part that I get to go obsessive over. So, oh God, here we go. let's begin. The F-35 is a family of single-engine, supersonic, stealth, multi-role fighters, the second fifth-generation fighter to enter U.S. service, and the first operational supersonic Stovall stealth fighter. The F-35 emphasizes low observables, advanced avionics, and sensor fusion. That's the good one. That enable a high level of situational awareness and long-range lethality. The USAF considers the aircraft its primary strike fighter for conducting suppression of enemy air defense missions owing to the advanced sensors and mission systems. For reference, Garrison, that's what we were doing last night. Siad. Yes, yes. I remember. Getting shot down a lot. Yes, I trust me, I remember. Looking to my right, and there's two fucking missiles saying, Hi, bitch. Let's uh, get into the physical characteristics of the F-35. So it has a wingtail configuration with two vertical stabilizers canted for stealth. Flight control surfaces include leading edge flaps, flapperons, rudders, and all moving horizontal tails, which are also known as stabilators. And those you see on uh, other aircraft like the F-18 and F-16 as well. Oh, quick, quick question, and it's, sure. this is a serious one. Yep. Why are these stabilizers considered stealth when they're angled? Like, what? why is that? Is it just like, that's what they... Just what they I'm say. So or is happy. A... I'm so happy you asked that question. Okay. Oh God. So sorry, Callum. Let me let me fire up the uh, the laser pointer here. So when you're talking about stabilizers, Garrison, what are you talking about? Are you talking about the stabilators at the back? No. Uh, the, yeah. The tail. Yeah. Okay. So let me do my best to explain the way that uh, stealth technology works on an aircraft. So basically the idea of stealth is that you, you have a radar wave that is directed at an aircraft, right? Okay. And with conventional aircraft designs, because they have to often have things like rounded surfaces on them. When you shoot a radar beam at it, the beam will return directly back to you. And then that's how you get it popping up on your radar, right? You get a radar return. Okay. So the way it works is that, by using this twin tail design, you can basically cant out the, the tails significantly more than you could with, say, having a single tail, because a single tail has to be vertical. With a twin tail design, you can actually angle them quite a bit. The whole idea of with stealth aircraft, why they're so angular, is because the angles actually basically deflect radar waves. So with a curved surface where a radar wave basically goes up, hits the surface, and then bounces right back, if it hits a flat 
angled surface, it is more likely to, basically like with a tank, when you angle the front armor, the shell will mm-hmm. bounce off of it instead of it going straight through. It's basically the same principle. When you angle oh, okay. a surface, the radar is more likely to basically, for lack of a better description, ricochet off the surface and just go into space rather than going right back to the radar receiver. So even though the F-35 is getting hit by radar waves, most of those waves are not going back to the radar receiver, and so it's not showing up on the radar screen. That's basically okay, gotcha. like the Colesnodes version of it. And that's why they have to do the twin stabilizers as opposed to the single one, because the single one is just massive, just a big target. Yeah, like exactly. Like say on the, the Tornado in the earlier slide, you know, that, although that, one, that one's tail surface looks weirdly oversized. So. It has a huge tail, yeah. I know, that's weird. it looks wrong. It looks like it should be yeah. smaller, but... yeah. This is just kind of an interesting aside, and I'll get to more of this in the stealth uh, slide. But one of the reasons why uh, that—that's basically the reason why all stealth aircraft, at least all good ones, are very flat and very angular. It's horrible for aerodynamics and performance, but when it comes to deflecting radar waves, it's kind of like a necessary evil. Okay, gotcha. Remind me, I do have one question about the stealth and radar, but I'll wait for the stealth because you might answer it. Fair enough. Alrighty. So, uh, it is a small aircraft, actually. The relatively short 35-foot wingspan of the F-35A and B is set by the requirements to fit inside U.S. Navy amphibious assault ship parking areas and elevators. The F-35C's larger wing is more fuel efficient. The fixed divertless supersonic inlets, which are these basically the intake, intakes here at the front, the sharp pointy thingies, are using a bumped compression surface and forward-swept cowl to shed the boundary layer of the forebody away from the inlets, which form a wide duct for the engine. Basically, what this comes down to, the aerodynamics of the intakes has been significantly reworked to, again, prevent radar waves from bouncing back to a radar seeker. Okay, gotcha. Structurally, the F-35 drew upon lessons from the F-22. Composites comprise 35% of the airframe weight, with the majority being biz... Oh god. Bismalid and composite epoxy materials, as well as some carbon nanotube re- reinforced epoxy and later production lots. However, despite this, it is considerably heavier than the lightweight fighters that replaces like the F 16, with the lightest variant having an empty weight of 29 tons. Yeah. Thick as fuck. Yeah, th- these are very small aircraft, but they're very fat. Girthy. Like, to give you an example of the F-35A... Uh, small and fat, just like Garrison. <laughs> just like all of us. Ah, you're funny. Uh, <laughs> do you guys, you guys know the F-2A, right? The Japanese F-16 with the longer wingspan? The better, the, the better F-16, you mean? This is fatter than that, but it's not bigger. It's not a big aircraft. Hmm. Well, I mean, looking yeah. at the uh, the size of the pilot in the cockpit, you can you, you know, it gives you a fairly decent scale. It's basically a coupe. That's the best way I can call it. Speaking of the power, while lacking the raw performance of the larger twin-engine F-22, the F-35 has kinematics, uh, basically the speed and performance and whatnot, competitive with fourth-generation fighters like the F-16 and 18, especially with ordnance mounted because the F-35's internal weapons carriage eliminates parasitic drag from external stores. That's one of the great things about having a stealth aircraft with the internal weapons base, these things fly just as well with the weapons on as without, which uh, the earlier generation fighters like the F-14 and 16 definitely could not do. Uh, all variants have a top speed of Mach 1.6 attainable with a full internal payload. 
So even loaded all the way up, they can go full out to 1.6. The powerful F-135 engine gives good subsonic acceleration and energy with supersonic dash and afterburner. So now that we've gone over the F-35A, which is just kind of like your standard plain Jane F-35, let's talk about the cool one, the F-35B. So this is probably the most complex variant of the F-35. It's used by the USMC, RAF, and Italian Navy. I think the Spanish are going to be using it as well. The oh, F-35B... God, the Spanish. Yeah, you know, it's MO by Megan, AK, Interactive, each have their own F-35. Uh, the F-35B replaces the various marks of Harriers used in maritime operations thanks to its centrally mounted vertical lift fan, which you can see basically in this little bulge right behind the cockpit. That right there is where the lift fan is located. Mm. And this allows it to take off and land from unconventional ships, such as assault ships, which would normally lack the provisions for launching fixed-wing aircraft because they don't have uh, catapults and they also don't have uh, arrestor hooks. The F-35B is the short takeoff and vertical landing variant of the aircraft. Similar in size to the A variant, the B sacrifices about a third of the A variant's fuel volume to accommodate the, uh, the lift fan. This variant is limited to only 7 Gs. Unlike the other variants, the F-35B has no landing hook. Instead, it engages a conversion between the normal and vertical flight by basically angling the entire exhaust nozzle downwards and also lifting up its uh, lift fan. It's pretty neat to see if you ever look at videos on YouTube, especially of the RAF using them. It's pretty neat to see the uh, just a whole aircraft disassemble itself like it's a transformer. You want to see something or you want to hear something cool? Let's hear it. I got to watch one of those do that in Yuma. What was that like? It was pretty cool. Saw it from about like three, four hundred meters away, but watched it through my optic, and it's it kind of cool looking. I, I will say, can't take off like that. I will say, if the Spanish get a stealth fighter and not one of the aircraft is called the In- Inquisition, I will be very annoyed. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody expects the F thirty five B. I always like this one. I think it's probably, for my, in my opinion, at least the most attractive. It's just that that bulge behind the cockpit looks really good. Oh, God. You like bulges, don't you? Oh, especially if they're the bigger ones. <laughs> oh, and on the subject of bigger ones, time to talk about the F-35C. The F-35C is uh, the carrier aircraft that replaces the EA-6, which is the Prowler, and the F-A-18. This is designed for catapult-assisted takeoff, but arrest- and arrested recovery operations with the uh, the wire. That's why it's got the tail hook. Compared to the F-35A, the F-35C features larger wings with foldable wingtip sections, larger control surfaces for improved low-speed control, stronger landing gear for the stresses of carrier-assisted landings, a twin-wheel nose gear, unlike the single ones on the B and A, and a stronger tail hook. The larger wing area also allows for the decreased landing speed while increasing both range and payload. And like the F-35B, this is basically a lower performance version from a a maneuvering standpoint, as it can only go up to 7 Gs. So now it's time for the fun stuff. And uh, yes, I I ripped this this, uh, picture from Lockheed Martin because I found that this was basically the... I couldn't make a a graphic better than what they can. And if that's uh, the case, then that's telling you something. Well, I, I would, I would hope that's the case because they fucking they they made the damn thing. I just love death by PowerPoint. Why was oh, this God. made June two thousand seven? Yeah. Oh yeah. All right. 
The F-35's capability improvements over previous fighters can basically be summarized into three distinct categories, its sensors, its weapons, and its stealth. The F-35's mission systems are among the most complex aspects of the aircraft. So now let's talk about the avionics and sensor fusion, which are designed to enhance the pilot's situational awareness and command and control capabilities and facilitate network-centric warfare. So the key sensors that the North, uh, include the Northrop Grumman AN-APG-81 actively electronically scanned array uh, radar, the BAE Systems AN-ASQ-239 Barracuda electronic warfare system, the Raytheon AN-AAQ-37, uh, I'm just going to call it the EOTS, the electro-optical targeting system, and the ASQ-242 com system. Uh, the really cool thing about the F-35, just to go on a tangent here, is basically like this is the one of the first jets, maybe with the exception of the F-22, to be a computer on wings. Uh, basically, this is just designed to be able to def win dogfights, not through maneuverability, but by just simply seeing its target before the target sees it. It's got huge standoff abilities. And by having things like the electronically scanned array radar, it can basically pick up targets at the horizon, first of all, and it also can track a lot more of them than basically any other aircraft can do, again, with the exception of the F-22. So, you guys ready to hear me get really cranked? Send it. Go for it. Time to talk about the software. Alrighty. So, much of the F-35 software was developed in C and C++ programming languages, while ADA-83 code from the F-22 was also used. The Block 3F software has eight 0.6 million lines of code. Jesus. Yeah. And just for reference, ADA-83 was originally developed for the Apollo missions. So what you're telling me is I can go to the moon in this. Yes, that yes, that's definitely what I'm telling you. I think you should get one and give it full afterburner and pull straight up here and see where it gets you. It only got me up to like 43,000 feet yesterday. <laughs> so. I just started hearing altitude, altitude. Yeah, I was like, fuck, I'm stalling. Uh, the Green Hill Software Integrity DO178B real-time operating system runs on integrated core processors. Data networking includes the IEEE I394B and fiber channel buses to enable fleet software upgrades for the software-defined radio systems and greater upgrade flexibility and affordability, the avionics use commercial off-the-shelf components. So basically what that means is Calm, do you guys have fiber optic in uh, New Zealand? Yes. Ah, you lucky bastards. We still don't have it up here. But basically, uh, <laughs> normally with computers, fiber optic would never be a thing. But there are so many wires. Like, there's so many miles of wiring for to, for, in the F-35 for the computers to talk to each other. It was actually necessary to use fiber optic to transmit the signals faster. Like, even though it's within the same aircraft, it makes a difference. That's how much wiring that's how many computers there are in this uh so yeah they they're using the same technology as the ones in your neighborhood calm probably the one i'm running on right now okay there's seat. a little bit of f-35 in all of us <laughs> all righty let's talk about the the fun earth moving stuff to preserve its shell stealth shaping wow the f-35 is two internal weapon space each with up to two weapon stations the two outboard weapon stations can each carry ordnance up to 2,500 pounds or 1,500 pounds for the F-35B, while the two inboard stations carry air-to-air -air missiles. Air-to-surface weapons for the outboard station include the Joint Direct Attack Munition, which we're seeing being used in Ukraine right now, 
the paveway bombs, J cells, and cluster munitions. The station can also carry multiple smaller munitions, such as the GBU-39 small diameter bombs, as well as the Spear-3 anti-tank missiles. As well, on the inboard station, it can carry the AM-120 AMRAM, and eventually the uh, AM-1260 uh, JDAM. But I think the coolest thing here is that there are two compartments behind the weapon bays. And uh, Calum, Kerrison, what do you guys think those carry? Mm, parachutist. <laughs> <laughs> Not sure. Nukes. Think submarines. Oh. Depth charges. Mm-mm. Torpedoes. Nope, but came closer. Uh, anti-ship missiles. Towed arrays. This thing can tow a miniature F-35 behind itself to confuse radar. Say what? So there's a thing called an airborne towed array, and basically what it is, it's a little, it's a little aerodynamic. It almost looks like a missile, right? And so the F-35 will open up its rear towed array compartment, extend a wire with this, and what that does is it basically makes enemy radar lock onto the towed array instead of the F-35. Is that like the same as the... Uh... Was it the Belarusians or someone early on in the Ukraine war were trying to like confuse javelins by putting a pipe with a bucket full of like burning stuff in it just to try and yeah, like have that heat is seeking? Exactly. That is exactly what it is, Cal. <laughs> <laughs> See, I'm smart. And now you get to ask the question. Uh, the most distinctive feature of the F-35, of course, is its stealth profile. It's the main reason for its immense cost and delays, but it's also one of the most important features which makes the F-35 so much more capable than most other fighters in production today. It's a key aspect of the F-35's design, and radar cross-section is minimized through careful shaping of the airframe and the use of radar-absorbent materials. Visible measures to reduce RCS include alignment of edges, serration of skin panels, and the masking of the engine face and turbine. Additionally, its divertless supersonic inlet uses a compression bump and forward-swept cowl rather than a splitter gap or bleed system to divert the boundary layer away from the inlet duct, eliminating the diverter cavity and further reducing the radar signature. So, this is where it gets cool. The radar's cross-section of the F-35 has been characterized as lower than a metal golf ball at certain frequencies and angles. In some conditions, it's actually better than the F-22 in stealth. Okay, and what conditions would that be? The optimal conditions. Unfortunately, with this aircraft, a lot of the information pertains to the kind of the hopeful, optimistic uh, prospect. Uh, worst case scenario, it's going to be a better F-16. Best case scenario, it's better than the F-22. It's pretty variable on various things like how far away the aircraft is from you, what type of radar you're using, and also the atmospheric conditions. Gotcha. So, if you were to try and ping this on radar, what, like... Is it just, does it not turn up on the radar at all, or is it like a sort of Oh, no, of no, it, it, it turns up or? all right. Garrison, I don't think VTOL VR is a documentary, man. <laughs> <laughs> so, basically... So, like, the like, radar signature is just, like, a bit jabbled, and you can't, like, lock onto it, or...? So, that's actually the reason why I included these uh, graphs here. So, these are basically, like, this one on the right is basically a graph of the radar cross-section of the F-35, and like you don't need to understand the numbers or anything, but basically what it's trying to explain is, depending on what angle you look at the F-35 from, right, the return, the radar return you're going to get when you ping it is going to be different. So that's one of the things with stealth aircraft, like back when, you know the F-117, right? Yeah. 
and a flying Dorito. So the great thing about being a flying Dorito is that it's pretty easy to map what the radar cross section of it is because in most cases, you just will not see it. It's because of the way it's shaped, 90% of radar waves just bounce away from it and not back towards the receiver. With the F-35 though, because it has to be the supersonic high performance aircraft, it cannot be a flying Dorito. So it has to be have more of a conventional design. And what that means is it's going to have a higher radar cross section because there are basically more angles and edges for radar to get bounced back to the receiver on. So if you look to the left here, basically what this is showing is depending on the frequency of the radar you're using, it will be easier or harder to see the F-35. If you're using VHF band radar, you will see nothing. It will not show up. If you're using L-band, the front's going to show up pretty easily. S-band, the front's definitely, it's going to look like an F-16. And if you're using X-band, which is very, very narrow wavelength radar, aside from the sides, you're definitely going to see it. But it basically also comes down to what uh, any aircraft missile system is trying to find it, right? Anything built before like 1995, 2000, we'll just not see it. And basically, like the whole point of like the stealth is like could be so you're not detected at all, or could be so it's more difficult to lock on to to try and like you know find and stuff like that. Is you know that's sort of what they're trying to go for. Yeah, I mean, like one of the things, Garrison, you remember this from last night? Like we were talking about how like there's the stealth uh, fighters in Detail VR. Like the thing with stealth is you will always see a stealth aircraft if it's sitting a meter away from you, right? Basically, the whole idea of it is, um, especially with the F-35, the stealth is designed to allow it to get into a combat zone unnoticed. But once it is in the combat zone, it has to rely on things like its good maneuverability, its high speed, other factors like its good sensors to stay alive. Stealth just basically makes it a pain in the ass to shoot down because ground-based radar is always going to have a hard time finding it. And air-to-air radar is also going to struggle. If you get into within visual range of the F-35, say you're a, a J-20 pilot, for instance, you will be able to lock onto it, and your air-to-air missile will probably be able to track it, but it's going to be a lot easier for the F-35 to basically maneuver in such a way to break that missile lock, right? Right, okay. So there, so, okay, yep, gotcha. Stealth is not a crutch, unfortunately. Well, they, they use it as much as possible as a crutch, but at the end of the day, you still have to be able to turn and fight and stuff like that. So, uh, you know, going back to the uh, Joint Strike Fighter program for a minute, which was what this basically came out of, uh, one of the most unique aspects of that program was how it pushed to include as many nations as possible into the funding and development process. The result is that the F-35 is a truly international project. Well, over a dozen air forces use it, and it's basically become the NATO fighter and as well really the fighter for the West as well. It's just basically, this is just kind of a compilation so, of some of the air forces that use it. It it's basically the leopard of the air force. Yeah, I'm trying to think. But it's like the M113 actually, because literally everybody uses the M113, right? Uh, yeah. Right. Like, name me a country that hasn't used the M113 at some point. Mexico. I was gonna, I was gonna say I Russia, but no, they've been using them. <laughs> yeah, they they've been capturing those and using them. They have been. <laughs> Yeah, and uh, basically, I, I, I thought I might go on a little bit of a rant about how with Canada, our procurement process was so messed up for the F-35, but I'll save that for another episode. Maybe maybe that'll be a Patreon episode. <laughs> yes, okay, but 
no discussion of the F-35 would be totally complete without discussion of its flaws. Uh, I've been riding this thing pretty hard all presentation. You might start to think that's a great aircraft, but uh, I'm just going to kind of briefly go over why people think it's not. So, does the phrase trillion dollar fighter ring a bell? Oh, yes. Yeah. So, the total life cycle cost of the whole like joint strike fire program, which when they, when they say like life cycle cost, that basically means from the day the joint strike fire program started to the day the last F-35 is retired, total cost of the whole thing is going to be a trillion dollars. That's what they budgeted it to be, and it'll probably be higher than that. Uh, the F-35, I mentioned how it's developed by a bunch of different nations. It's a very you know, collaborative project, and it's very advanced. That is also to its detriment. The problem is that with the F-35, it is so costly, not because it's actually worth that. It, let's be clear. It's a very overpriced fighter for what it is. But the development process of it has basically been this case of where because it's so collaborative, it has been delayed for over a decade, right? It's over 10 years behind schedule. Um, and that's basically because contractors basically will not either, either they'll underperform or they won't perform at all. They won't get parts sent in at the right time. Um, it's also a political hot potato as well. Uh, a lot, especially in the U.S., right, where this is, these are all built. Uh, congressmen are constantly doing, they're messing around with the production schedule and they're defunding the project or refunding it because it earns votes, right? A lot, here in Canada, for instance, right, we had orders for F-35s because we were one of the original partners in the in the JSF program. But we canceled our orders because people in Canada said it's just too expensive. We were to spend some like $50 billion to get 80 of these. And people just weren't okay with that. So we ended up having to cancel order. And you know, 10 years later, after a new uh, procurement process, we chose it again. And this time we're paying $77 billion for it. Like that, that's just not good value. And unfortunately, with this aircraft as advanced as it is, people do get ripped off hard when they buy it. Well, I mean, anything like this, if it's like a one off, everyone uses it, it's going to be price gouged to hell and back. Yeah. And in fairness to it, it is actually, if you just want to go and buy an F 35, the price is down to, I think, about now 10 ish million dollars where it was once like $300 million for a single aircraft. It's been going down a lot, and it will go down a lot more. I think they're predicting at some point they'll be as cheap as $2 million to buy, which, for reference, uh, a house in Toronto will easily sell for more than $2 million. So, like, you know, figure it out, place to live or joint strike fighter. I know what I'm picking. I mean, you can just live in the joint strike fighter. Yeah, it's got a comfy seat. the, The sad thing about what you just said is that <sighs> inflation is so bad you could for the price of a house buy the latest western f- stealth fighter jet literally the most capable aircraft ever made yeah and the thing is like that, that's the thing with the uh, with everything else it's inflation with the f-35 it's deflation because literally the the idea of it is it's basically a ponzi scheme right the joint strike fighters program is basically fraud on a global scale because the idea was the more countries that buy into it the cheaper it gets for everyone else so initially when there were only a few countries like three or four of them in the program it was like 300 million dollars for a fighter now that like basically everyone's buying them and there were going to be thousands and thousands of them made you could get them for basically nothing like even a, if you were to get say uh, somehow a, a, buy a brand new f-16 
these days, it would be over $2 million. So, yeah, you can get an F-16 or you can get this. I mean, I know you can buy an F-4 Phantom for like a mil and a half, privately. Can you really? Yeah. <clears throat> yep. Where? I'll, I'll send you the links. Oh, okay, but, it's yeah. on eBay, I bet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but um, basically, like, you know, I, I, I've heard a lot of people who they're talking about, like, the F-35 can't dogfight. The F-35 is not stealthy or X, Y, and Z, right? And all I can say to that is, like, there is one flaw with this aircraft, and it is a huge flaw that's more important than not being supposedly fast enough or maneuverable enough. It's expensive. Um, it is, like, $77 billion dollars. For 88 aircraft, is damn near a billion dollars in aircraft. Um, and that's what we're going to be paying for the entire life cycle of them here in Canada. And that is just insane. Insane. I mean, at that, at, the, at that point, especially with the, like, the types of conflicts we're having at the moment, or you know, lack of, for, say, Canada and all that, at that point, this, you guys call them the CF-18s, don't you? They're the CF-18s, yep. Yeah, you might you're better off just servicing those for a bit longer at the at this moment. Oh God! Well, oh Cal. Okay, so there is a photo. Uh, right, of a have CF-18. I said something wrong here? If there's a photo <laughs> to give you an, to give you an understanding of where our CF-18s are, right? We had them in the '80s, so we're going on over 40 years of having them now, right? And the Canadian Air Force flies them hard. They fly in everywhere from the desert to the Arctic, right? Um, they fly 24/7 because we're also part of NORAD. So the Canadian Air Force is constantly intercepting Russian bombers with these CF-18s. So they're they're flying hard. Like it's it's like Top Gun every day for them, right? Full afterburner maneuvers, all that, right? There's a photo of a CF-18 over Iraq with a rust streak in its wing. Jesus, a rust streak. Yeah, that, that should tell you everything you need to know. Fucking hell! And people actually <clears throat> yeah, had it rec- tells you, yeah, modern jets can be weathered. Well, and this is, I'm going to, you know, that segues me into like my one point from the modelers here. Um, if you're a modeler and you've thought, well, I can't ever weather a stealth aircraft, give it 50 years. Cause I don't think we're going to retire these F 35s for probably the next century, knowing how stingy Canada is. I guarantee you, you will see streaking on the Canadian F 35s. You will see salt. You will see rust. You will see oil, uh, even chipping, maybe. I don't know how you can chip radar absorbent paint, but there you go. <laughs> they will find a way. It, we will find a way, yes. But yeah, that's that's the uh, F-35. It's a, it's a controversial plane. I like it for nerd reasons. Other people like it for looks and all that stuff. But at the end of the day, I think everyone's entitled to their own opinion on it. I just think it's pretty cool. No, it is a pretty cool aircraft. I, I, my, my biggest like about it is that you can take off and land on an aircraft carrier like you see in front of us. Yeah. Like that ever works out in, in real life, right, Garrison? <laughs> We're not going to talk about that. Missile, missile, it. missile. <laughs> now, and if uh, Dennis has inspired you, if you want to make your own, Dennis, next slide, please. Did I forget the model section? Damn you, it. you did, and you need to reload these because you only did like, they're oh only halfway. God. You bloody wanker. I, I, I screwed the pooch hard on that one. There we go. Alrighty. I know. And this is where you get triggered. Why? What? Okay, Calm. <laughs> so the sound you're hearing right now is me drinking hard because I, I, I need it just to look at the slide. <laughs> <laughs> oh, see, I didn't need to say you anything, bastard. but I, 
See, I told you I'd trigger oh. you and I didn't need to say a thing. Oh, Callum. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> Go ahead. Dig your grave. Oh, I pre-dug it today. That's why I was in the garden. Alrighty. Well, I know how to get under your stuff. <laughs> models. Callum, please tell me all about the Airfix 172 skill <laughs> F35B starter set. <laughs> Go ahead. Tell well, me. if you are new to modeling and this is your inspiration, you've been learning all about the F35, particularly the B. Well, Airfix do have a starter kit for you that has a nice little stand that makes it look like it's got a shadow and everything. And, you know, it's just if you're. If you're because, you know, you look at the Atelier kits, the uh, Academy one, and, yeah, the, I guess you could build the Tamiya one. I mean, if you really no, no, want that to. One, um, I guarantee you that one's uh, like the worst one. I uh, Quality's it's a bit too pricey. It's, you know, the, 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 the Atelier ones, you got the A and the B there. you got the A and Beast mode. I mean, you know, the, 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 the Tamiya one doesn't have that. Um, that in the box art's a lot better on the Italiary ones. I mean, look at that. Oh, even the Academy one where it's like, you know, and the FX one's not bad, I mean. Well, yeah, no, hell, I'd take the Airfix one over the Tamiya one. I mean, it's landing. Come on, <laughs> there's two of them. Yeah, no, well, there you go, you know. I mean, I mean the, the Italiary one is showing a, uh, a the the B British. is showing the British one. That Actually, that's yeah. the fact that it's got the uh, the, the Union Jack on there on the um, bulge there. It's actually kind of cool. Looks good. I think we broke Dennis. I think we did. <laughs> May God yeah. have mercy on, on your souls, because <laughs> I won't. <laughs> <laughs> oh. But yeah, yeah, there, that's the uh, you can build if you are up to it. The Lockheed Martin F-35A Lightning to buy Tamiya in forty eighth. All jokes aside, it is a very, very good kit. Dennis has built one, and it, looks it is literally really the good. best model kit that's ever been made. And I don't say that lightly because I build a lot of them. I'm not saying that because I'm riding Mister Tamiya, which I am. But at the same time, it, it is true. <laughs> Cal, have you seen the molding on that one? Yeah, the whole fuselage yeah. is one piece. Yeah, and it's extremely well detailed. Yeah, like if you were going to do, like if you said, "Hey, I want to do an F-35A in uh, 48 skill," the one nice thing with that kit. Literally every country that uses the uh, the A model, it has markings for that. So yeah, that does like, help a like a massive decal sheet with it. Or so when you, I actually my friend Soe bought one today. So uh, congrats to him. Basically, when you get the decal sheet, it's like a it's it's like a very thin newspaper, basically like a, a small newspaper. That's how thick it is. Damn Jesus! There's like I think ten different fold out posters for decal placement. There's like another five fold-out posters for uh, the stencil placement. Yeah, it's pretty big. Are those hanging up in your room? Uh, actually, I they, I've got a couple of them in my workstation. Yeah, that's actually really dope because you said it's for the markings for the decals, right? But honestly, they they make nice posters. If you want to frame them after, they're they're pretty neat diagrams of it. I'm about to say that'd be like a really cool looking, detailed, up close, you know, neutral picture of it. Yeah, I will say though the uh, F-35B from Italy is actually a really stand-up kit. Um, as far as like the uh, B variant goes, one of the big issues, of course, is that you've got the lift fan, right? And the problem is that not all the manufacturers get like decent detail on the fan. They might make it just look like a disc. Uh, Italy did a pretty decent job with it. The Academy one is okay as well. It's it, it actually I can't believe I'm saying it. It lacks the finesse of an Italy kit, but it is cheap as well. Italy like has bucks. finesse. 
cut it. For this one, yes, actually, believe it or not. This is on Airfix kit, though. (laughs) Because the the beast mode one is actually... That only came out a while, like, not too long ago, didn't it? Yeah, and I mean, like, with... So, Haskell, I'm surprised... I I should have added their stuff, but, like, that's the thing. There's actually probably close to 100 different model kits of the F-35, believe it or not. Um, Hasegawa yeah. is a company you're to look out for if you want to do any of the Japanese F-35s in a scale other than like 1 to 48 if you want 172 for instance uh, go to Hasegawa because they make ones with high visibility Japanese markings in beast mode which is pretty cool uh, I'm just I'm just yeah. waiting for the day someone does one in 30 second scale Atalari does actually so Atalari makes the uh, A model in 30 second scale Jesus. That was pretty decent. It is an older Italian kit, so you do have some fit issues with it, but it is the only game in town, aside from Trumpeter, which does the carrier version in 32 scale, and they just came out with that. But yeah, All right. that is the F-35. So we're going to have an intermission now while Dennis goes and changes his underwear. Uh, after the intermission, we are going to be back with model talk, uh, specifically model news and whips and that kind of stuff. So, yeah, we'll be back a bit in a bit. This episode is brought to you by Autoloader Decals. Have you wandered around the shelves of your local hobby store and found that perfect model kit? Great tooling, fun to build, and look, you remember seeing the subject. Perhaps it was a truck in the ubiquitous white UN paint scheme in the newspaper, or maybe it was a Sherman tank from your local armor unit. Everything is lining up for a fantastic new project, one with a more interesting connection to yourself, instead of a project derived from a history book. Then you open the kit, and there are none of those specific markings to be found. Water slide decals really put the final touch on a model, and unfortunately for the model maker, most kit manufacturers won't put too much time into designing decals that produce a finished model in anything but its most stereotypical form. That's why Autoloader Decals exists. It is their sincere hope that you'll be able to find as much enjoyment using these special water slides as they have. Autoloader decal pro- products are primarily focused on Canadian subjects, but in general if you're looking for markings that represent vehicles from lesser known parts of modern history, chances are you might just be able to find something worth trying. The water slide decals are printed through an inkjet printer and sealed with a high quality varnish to ensure their strength on the model. Unlike most other water slides, these decals only need to be submerged for a few seconds and can be placed right onto the model. They are incredibly tough and won't yellow over time. For an added benefit, decals intended for 1 to 35 scale are treated with a special varnish that gives a subtle, painted on look that's both in scale and more realistic than other brands offerings. All the products currently in production are listed in the store page. If you have a custom design you would like to order, the best way of making this order is to send an email through the contact page. Generally, the cost of a custom order will be 40-50% to 50% higher than any products that are in stock to account for labour. Also, as a special deal, if you, have, if you are ordering a set of custom decals and you mention the Micro Machines podcast, you'll receive a free exclusive MMP Pinju decal with your order. So, next time you're looking to build a specific or unique vehicle, look towards Autoloader decals. Just go to www.autoloadermodels.ca for all your water slide decal needs. And now, back to the show. Let's uh, discuss the hobby news. Fuck! Uh, ah, skip it! Anyways. So, up first, uh, Das uh, Werk fine. is releasing an SDKF Z251 1 Alfs D in 116th scale. 
That is horrid. I mean the I mean the the camo one. It looks cool at the very least. The building in the backdrop looks cool. Yeah, that yeah. building looks really. I'm in it for the building kit, honestly. Yeah. So, uh, just a little breakdown on what this kit features. It has workable single link tracks, clear parts, detailed running gear with torsion bar suspension, as on the original, floor armor that can be attached separately to the chassis, detailed gear shift and gearbox, detailed brake system and fuel system, swinging front axle with steering steering angle can be represented. Detailed cooling and exhaust systems, detailed engine with open engine cover plates, detailed engine bulkhead, instrument panel and radio set, detailed hatches and armament, floor plate segments can be in, open individually to show the inside of this chassis, that's actually kind of cool, armor, armor with realistic welds made of several separate plate armor plates, combat compartment and engine compartment can also be displayed as dismantled due to separation. Side boxes and storage compartments with detailed doors can be shown open and closed, and a rear door, rear crew door that can be open and closed as well. It has four decal options. You have the 97th Jaeger Division, April 1945, 25th Panzer Grenadier Regiment 25, also the 12th Panzer Division, November 1944 Eastern Front, the 2nd SS Panzer Division, Dach Dachreich. July 1944, Normandy. So, you know, uh, Garrison. Normandy. Normandy. And we have the 4th the, the fourth Fallschirmjäger Division, March, April 1944 in Anzio, Italy. So, at the moment, they have just got uh, CAD and color schemes for now, but, yeah, another Dasavik 116th. So, I mean, Floki will probably get this one. Yeah, but he's all right. Otherwise, you're you're evil if you buy this. <laughs> okay, spin on. Ugh. Finally, finally, we have Something one. Good. Jesus, we got one for mainly Garrison. So we have a bunch from Gecko Models. They are figure sets for 60s, 70s uh, Vietnam era. Um, <laughs> know it. Yeah. So basically, Vietnamese uh, villages, animals, stuff like that. If you're doing a Vietnam War diorama, these are perfect. You know, you got, um, you know, buffalo and cows, shit like that. Yeah. If you want to do a Vietnam, if you want to do a Vietnam War diorama, these are looking pretty good. What's next? Yes. Yes. So oh, this well, one, Tom, you really did just rip that screenshot right from him, didn't you? Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> Shamelessly. That was really shameless. <laughs> I mean, you know, I mean, yeah, same time. So, Border Models are releasing in one to thirty-five scale. The Akagi is that how you pronounce it? Akagi. Uh, yes. The Akagi bridge with flight deck and a Nakajima B five into Kate. Oh shit! Uh, so the the bridge comes with that. It's the whole yep. flight deck, yeah. In the what, what you're seeing on the, the uh, box art, that's what you get. That's and everything. What, what's the scale? 35th. 35th. Uh. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> am am okay. I about to do an aircraft? I, I think so. Right. If, I, if I get this one. Oh. So, hang on. Where's my list? I can't find my list. Oh, well. But basically, it's 
it provides the entire flight deck, uh, the tower there. You know how it's got those uh, sandbag type things? They got a, mm-hmm. they have a name for them. I can't remember. You can build it with or without that. Uh, a lot of the times, um, the aircraft carriers didn't have that. It was only really when they were prepping for um, air battles and stuff like that. But most of the time, they didn't actually have those on a lot. So, but yeah, this is it's a cool aircraft. It's a, it would, that would I think this one's going to be very popular. And it's going to make I, it there. Yeah. I want it. Like, the minute I saw this one, it's like, I, 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 I've I, said it for a while. I've wanted a 35th scale section of an aircraft carrier so you can do dioramas. And, hey, look, it's turned up. Hell, I've yeah. wanted a 35th aircraft for a long time. And t- here it is. Well, maximum, well, I don't know why they went 32nd scale aircraft and 35th armor. Just you know, They should have just made them the same. I I agree. I agree. So, but yeah, so it's got photo etch stuff like that. <gasps> yeah, you can make two dioramas out of this. The way you, you do it, you you take the aircraft, you have it crashed in a jungle with a marine patrol going by it, checking it out, and then on the flight deck, you have uh, part of the deck like kind of blown open on the side there, and then you have like a bunch of medics carrying people on stretchers and shit. Ah, fut- um, futons, that's what they're called. And apparent- and uh, I need to reiterate, they're not included in the kit, so you'll need oh, to make what them the yourself. Fuck? Border is finding the most annoying ways to piss off modelers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, that, so those aren't included, but those would actually be pretty easy to make, to be yeah, honest. Yeah, but, I mean, fuck, it's, it's so prominent in the box art. If they're not going to add it, don't have it. Cunts. <laughs> but I'm just excited to weather the uh, flight deck. That'll be cool. Oh, it'll be awesome. That'll be a lot of... And especially... Ooh. Because the, uh, the kit doesn't come with figures. But I'm sure someone... Of course someone it doesn't. Will, of course it doesn't. Yeah. But I'm sure someone could make figures and you'd fill up the entire flight deck... That would be a very, very good, cool project to work Five on. Five bucks off of AliExpress, free shipping. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome. I can't wait to see that come out. Good job, Border. Yep. Ugh. I'll skip it. Just skip it. Uh, I mean, we, we should talk about it a bit. So, God damn it. There's two to. new releases from Hobby Boss. Why does it have to be? Why does Hobby Boss have to do cool things, but be It's Hobby not Boss? cool. It's stupid. Look at it. It's an armored train with two Panzer IV uh, F2. Yeah, it looks like something like a seven-year-old would draw up. <laughs> yeah, so in 72nd scale, we have a Panzer Jäger Treibwagen 51. I don't know. <laughs> the the Treibwagen. <laughs> yeah, whatever. I don't know how to pronounce it. The trap one. Uh, I mean, basically, all you got, uh, all it is, is an armored train, and on either end you have a Panzer IV F2 or a Panzer IV G turret, one at either end. So this kit does come with a section of track as well. I mean, it's mold, plastic molded, you know, but for something interesting. However, it is hobby boss. Yeah. Quote interesting. End quote. Yeah. Next. 
marginally this one, better. Yes. Marginally yes. better. Also from Hobby Boss, we have a Burge Panzer BPZ2 Buffalo ARV. Uh, this one's based on the Leopard 1, isn't it? Dennis? Yes, that is the Leopard 1, yep. Yeah, so it's just an ARV based on a Leopard 1. It's got a very cool crane system that is uh, movable, so you will be able to position it however you want. Oh, God, the f- how fiddly that must be to assemble. Uh, it'll be a bitch and a half, I can guarantee. It does come with three color schemes as well. We've got uh, just standard green, a NATO tricolor camo, and Kark Tan. Ah! <laughs> I should know, Garrison, that's... Oh, wait, I was going to say it's going to be Canadian because the Canadians had ours in Kark Tan in Afghanistan, but... That looks like a German cross on it. Fuck it, yes, just put it in Ukraine. Yes. However, I will say this model, you can build it as the Canadian Burge Panzer Buffalo, if you wish. Do you need to modify it at all, or is it just. Uh, I don't think so, other than adding a C6 instead of an MG3. Uh, we also did, however, put a composite armor package on later, so if you want to do a late model, you'll have to get a resin conversion set. Oh, uh, right. Uh, what's next? Yes. Uh, we got oh. one from Ming. Uh, this is in 72nd scale. Usually they do 35th, but this is 72nd. An M1A2 Sep Abrams, Tusk 1 or Tusk 2. We got CAD renders on the right here. This is in 72nd scale, and that looks detailed as heck. It does. I will that say, I built one of their uh, new 72 scale kits. I built the uh, Chinese uh, Clouded Leopard. It was insane the only thing that wasn't beautiful about it was that the inside of the track faces right um they didn't have any detail it was just flat plastic but this one i can already see from the cad renders they fixed that they actually have the track pad detail so uh yeah yeah i've, I've seen less detailed 35th scale i was about to say build the barrels on those machine guns and you will literally have a 35th scale level of detail and 72 scale yeah, so the, the Tusk 2 and stuff like that, does that have the trophy system? So that is basically, uh, it's called Nira. That is non-explosive reactive armor plates. Uh, the trophy system, look, if you're willing to do a little bit of mm, fiddling around with the parts, you could make an Abrams where you could then get, like I don't know, a 3D printed trophy system and slap it on it. But fundamentally, this is about maybe... Uh, 10-ish years before the trophy system. This is basically uh, right. a, an Iraq Abrams. Right. I gotta, I gotta say that the uh, Tusk 2 is just a really cool-looking Abrams, it just with everything neat. on top. It's and so... Them, the, uh, the barrel or stuff like that would have been woodland camo, mixed in with mm. all the car tan. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, so Ming, they... Because Ming were... Uh, they changed from 35th armor to aircraft, didn't they? That's their primary. Uh, um, what, like going from armor to aircraft. Uh? I mean, that's that's kind. Of, they were starting to switch over a bit more. Like they're starting to produce more aircraft now. But seems like they're going back to uh, armor. Hopefully, they've done. Uh, I'm trying to think. They did the they did the F thirty five. They did the F four Wild Weasel, which is supposed to be a decent kit. They did the uh, two seat F A eighteen, all in forty eight scale. I talked to a lot of guys at the hobby, like the model clubs here in Toronto about it, and like the kind of the common consensus is they're good kits, they come with decent parts, like good foil etch and all that, but for the price you're paying, like, to give you reference, that Wild Weasel from Meng costs the same as the Tibia F35A in 48 scale. Oh, Eesh. shit. 
the build quality is substantially worse. The detail is all right, but like they need to stick to tanks. I'd say if it was like up to me, I'd say stick to your lane, do armor. They're good at it. <laughs> stick yeah. to your lane. You're not that guy, buddy. You're not that guy. You won't be that guy. Oh dear. But yeah, uh, a lot of seventy-second armor coming out in extremely high detail. It might be. Uh, Knowing me, I'm starting to run out of space at home. I might have to start switching over. Plus, these but, are cheaper. These are like twenty bucks. Oof! Really? Yeah. I'm, oh, I I'm, might start I might, switching over. Mm, I might have to have a look into that. But yeah, what's next? Ooh. Oh, we yeah. have we have one from Copper State Models. It's been a while. Uh, this one is an Austin first series. Uh, early Alpha armored car. So this is from World War One. It's uh, I think it's just CAD rendering it at the moment, but this thing is funky as hell. We have two machine gun turrets on the just behind the driver's compartment. Some very weird tires. I'm not don't know what's going on with those. They look like octopus tentacles. So Maybe they're like a <laughs> uh, run flat, like they're not pneumatic tires. Yeah, I, I'm a feeling that's what they are. Can you? It'd be interesting if you did a diorama with that, having the, uh, like, rolling it behind it, just so you get that odd sort of track behind be it. so cool. Yeah. I mean, this is definitely something I would buy in a heartbeat if I could get my hands on one. Yeah. They're Copper State models, um, um, like World War One and 20s armored cars are very good kits. They are very well detailed, and they have some very interesting things. So, and this is one of them. This is just such a cool-looking armored car very nice i mean it's got rivets but that that that's enough for me <laughs> oh. and lastly from Holy afv club shit. the hidf special yes <laughs> so we have we are getting an australian army m113a1 mrv so this is a m113 but it has the turret of a scorpion scorpion that has got Scorpion. That's the short 75, short barrel that's, 75. Yeah, the L33A1, I believe. Yeah. Uh, What's it? Uh, yeah. What's that thing? What's the barrel next to the, the 75? Funny, just... Callum. I was going to ask you that. <laughs> Fucking not, not too Is sure on it. 30 millimeter idle cannon. Can't be. Did they turn this thing into a BMP3? That would be kind of cool, actually. Hold on, hold on. Yeah. I gotta look this up. Yeah, one moment, please. Through the I power of editing, movies. I'll be able to. Uh... No Vot. photo or model shows any of these. <laughs> what the fuck, uh, guys? What? Uh, I don't think AFV Club is right on this one. I gotta be really honest with you. Because Why is that? I'm not seeing any photo or anything like that of this like long coax thing. Yeah, I'm not seeing it. What's going on here? Time to go to the Forbidden Kit Maker. Because supposedly it's supposed to be a 30 cal. Oh, okay, here we go. Alright, so this is a cover. This is like a shroud cover for the 30 cal. And it's used for depression. The idea being basically it's long enough that they can't depress the 30 cal to the point where it might accidentally shoot the driver's head off. Oh! 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 What that makes HI- sense. That's the most Horizon Islands solution I've ever heard of. 
So all you yeah. do is knock. So all you do is knock out the driver, not shoot his head off. Yeah. Okay, that makes sense. That's oh, that's actually kind of cool. Yeah. I want one now. Yeah, I mean, M113s with turrets on them are just cool-looking vehicles, anyway. So, and this one looks like it's got some sort of dozer blade on the front. Let's fold Probably it out. For, yeah, uh, trim vein. Uh, yeah. That's what. That's the trim vein for when it's going amphibious, I believe. Yeah, yeah, it does look it looks cool though. So, but yeah, Australian Army Special AFV Club, thirty fifth scale M one one three A one MRV, with something that we found out about just now. So, can't wait to HID after this. Yeah, yeah. Both. To be honest, if if only we had Nick on here, he would be loving this one. We need to do like a phone a friend segment. <laughs> so, dude, you need to get on now, real quick, just for this. Nick, get on, get on, get on. Well, let's talk about what we've been working on this week. Let's do it. Alright, so my first whip slide is some figures I've been working on. Uh, the left-hand side, those first four, are showing the last figure for my Horizon Island Defense Force diorama I'm working on. Lots of... Uh, configurating with him he was supposed to hold an m60 facing down but he's now holding an m16 with a 203 with the barrel drilled out facing upward he's got a helmet and a boonie hat on his pack uh, center photo shows some really nice details hand grenades bayonets nice helmet netting and m1 grand clips uh, really nice stuff and then on the right side you have uh, one of the really nice figures I put together, and then a box of more figures for a Normandy Operation Cobra diorama. Very nice. Very cool. Ooh. And then right now, I am currently working on my first ever TACOM kit. It's the M114. Splendid little kit. Uh, tracks were pretty easy to do. Had to sand down one on each side about halfway in order for it to fit properly. But besides that, everything about this kit is just amazing. Uh, bottom left, that's the Operation Cobra stuff thus far. I haven't got all the figures assembled yet. And then on the bottom right, that is all of the Horizon Island Defense Force figures. The crew for the M114, infantry crewmen, jeep crewmen, uh, you know, I said infantry crewmen, infantrymen, fucking, yeah, fun stuff. This is what uh, I've been working on. Uh, we start carrying at Great Hall, we saw Oshawa Hang Wong tanks. And Hang Wong is basically a Chinese manufacturer of 16th scale uh, remote controlled tanks. Uh, this one we basically got as our store demo, and I was uh, requested to do some work on it. So I've been basically in the process of repainting and modifying it to become basically, it went from being a German Leopard 2A6 to a Canadian Leopard 2A6M can. Basically, what that entailed was adding basically you know, scratch building the antenna, the Canadian antenna for it, as well as the storage and air conditioning boxes. Then I repainted it and added the markings, and now I'm just in the process of uh, adding foliage. Also, my good friend Sadat got me into Warhammer 40k, so I've just been working on a uh, Death Corps of Krieg model at the moment. Very nice. Very nice. That's something I need to uh, look into, because i got a I got a co-worker who's uh, just started building Warhammer now, so he keeps sending me photos with uh, he keeps asking me what I, how I how he should improve, and I'm sitting there going, uh, I can tell you basics on how to build and stuff, but um, 
scale armor is quite different in how you do stuff. I will say Warhammer, like, I was pretty skeptical of it for a while, but this stuff is actually pretty cool, I gotta admit. It's not the same as armor, but it's not exactly figure painting either, which is nice. It's yeah. highly detailed stuff. Yeah. And you can kind of go nuts on it. That's what I'm going to be doing, yeah. And then uh, otherwise, what I've also been working on is this uh, 1-48 scale Hobby Boss A6 Intruder. Uh, I'm going to be basically doing it as a fictional Royal Canadian Navy A6 that flew off the HMCS Bonaventure, which was one of our two aircraft carriers in the Cold War. And uh, yes, the gaps in the nose are insane. This kit fits horribly, and I hate it. However, why are you hate, why are you building Hobby Boss? Because this was the only I I, I was I don't know. I have it in my stash and I just never got rid of it. Eh. Well, yeah, that's on you. It's <laughs> <laughs> squarely on me, squarely on me. Okay then. Uh Garrison, how long have we got left on this? Uh like a fucking week, man. June first is coming fast. Coming fast. So you got one more week to submit your stuff for our Cold War group build. Uh, really exciting. This has been a good one thus far. Uh, come join the Discord. Stay tuned for our, our next two group builds coming up for the summer. Uh, hope to see you soon. And we haven't quite got the uh, advert sorted out for this yet, so we'll just keep ab-libbing it for a while. So the Micro Machines podcast is sponsored by Scale Colors and SE3D, uh, owned by Jeff Hearn. So we'd just like to take this little opportunity to say thanks to Jeff. If you want to have a look at Scale Colors, if you're looking for non-toxic, airbrushable paint straight from the bottle, uh, and literally any color that you can think of, especially naval, you want to go check out Scale Colors. You want to order from Jeff. They have some really cool paints, Really uh, got some really good colors to them. And also, if you are in the market for some 3D printed resin tracks, if you want to go high detail, does, uh, if your kit only comes with uh, rubber bands or link and length that don't fit or individuals that have too many sprue gates, not detailed, whatever, he has his SC3D depart uh, department. And he has a multitude of different types of tracks. you got multiple Sherman tags. you got KV-1s, Tigers, Panzer IVs, all that kind of good stuff. So... Yeah, go check out Scale Colors Nessie three D by Jeff Hearn. Order from him. If you do order from him, just send him a note saying that you heard it from us. That just lets them know that, you know, we have listeners. Um <laughs> it's worth it. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so we just take this time to uh just promote Jeff. He is sponsoring us, he is sponsoring all our group builds. And we just want to say a big thanks to Jeff. He's a he's a really cool guy. Thanks, Jeff. And of course, as always, thank you so much to our Patreon supporters. If you want to help keep the lights on, the Micro Machines podcast, help us expand and get some really funny uh, backstage content, backstage, back scenes, whatever, bloopers, you know the thing, stuff we can't post on YouTube. Uh, go to You're our welcome. Patreon. It's in the link of our, it's in the description of our YouTube video. Uh, any amount is uh, is greatly appreciated. Helps us out. Helps make the podcast what it is. And uh you're going to hear some funny stuff. And it helps uh, fund group builds as well. Yes. Well, gentlemen, that was a uh, podcast, was it not? It, it was indeed. I think by its definition, it could be described as one, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. Well.
fairly quick episode, but yeah, Dennis, close us out. Well, if you've come to this point, I am so sorry. I really bored you guys to tears tonight, but you have been watching and listening to the Micro Machines podcast. Uh, thank you so much for joining us, and we will be back next week. Bye, everyone. See ya. Bye.